If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas, and thanks once again for listening to our entertainment podcast. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. What's going on, everybody? Each week, we will provide a film or TV review, followed by a deeper dive into a related topic. Today, we will be providing a review of The Invisible Man, written and directed by Lee Wanell, and we're also going to follow that up with a look back at one of his earlier films, Upgrade, starring Logan Marshall Green. Now, um, in our last episode, which seems like an eternity ago, apologies, we'll give you more um, details as to why it's been... We have a good reason. We have a good reason. we have a good reason. Yes. But um, in our last episode, we said that as a part of our cynical superhero twofer, that we are going to be reviewing the Watchmen TV show, as well as the Watchmen film. Now... um, Um, I watched episode one and maybe like the first 20, 30 minutes of the Watchmen film. And then I realized, holy cow, this is about 12 to 13 hours of of content we have to watch. And it was a really, really busy time for us. So we decided to shift things around just a little bit because I feel very much that The Invisible Man, as well as the film Upgrade, still fits with a theme of extraordinary abilities granted to certain persons. And then the kind of cynical take, the cynical look at... Uh, you know, what happens with these people when they're granted these abilities? Are they going to do good with it or are they going to do bad? So I think this, uh, these two films that we're reviewing today actually fit with our theme perfectly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as we always do before we go into the movie review, we will and I engage in a little bit of small talk and we talk about kind of what's been happening in our lives and also what's happening out there in the world. As I mentioned before, Will and I have just been insanely busy with so much stuff happening. For those of you that don't know, Will and I, I do work quite a bit. Um, podcasting is not our full-time job, even though sometimes we very much want it to be. But um, Will and I have been working on a variety of projects, some together, some not together. But it looks like, at least, I don't know for you, Will, but for me, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know if it's the light saying that I'm dead and it's saying, coming to me, come to me, <laughs> I'm going to take you away. Or if it's letting me know that, uh, you know, all this craziness is about to end. But there is a light, though. So there's hope in that. How about you, Will? No, we still have a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that light is a glimmer right now. Yeah, but, it's, it's very small. But, but. I would say that it is, it is good work. It's, it's always, you know, great being able to work together and also on on our individual projects and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, when we get to do these podcasts, it's like a nice wind down, like, kind of like shut our brain off and talk entertainment film. Yeah. Just have some fun. One thing that has been affecting our work schedules quite a bit is uh, the coronavirus, which has just been insane and it's been crazy. The last time you and I spoke, it was something that was just announced. And uh, I mean, right now it's going crazy and there's tons of events getting canceled. This is affecting you and I quite a bit. Yes. Um, you and I are working uh, at a conference in Vegas together next week, which was almost canceled. Right. Yep. And, you know, we were, you were, I know you were supposed to go to a conference or not a conference, but a festival right after uh, yeah, but South that was Southwest. canceled. Yeah. South so, by Southwest so, got canceled. What Even happened F8. there? Yeah. Uh, I just, I think um, for South by Southwest, the client that we were working for uh, is actually Google. They pulled out. So they just didn't want to risk it. So that was our main client. So that basically shut it down. I mean, granted, South by Southwest, I think they said that it is still happening, but mm-hmm. they're trying to um, find ways to make it secure for those uh, and the whole, you know, outbreak. And But then again, a lot of people, 
uh, have backed out basically from yeah. South by Southwest. Yeah. So uh, I mean, it's happening all over the place. Um, yeah. So we'll F8 also, got canceled, dude. Fa- F8? Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. Con- uh, I believe my really? friend was supposed to attend that. And he said, yeah, they got canceled. You know what it is, is I, I feel like these precautions and everything, it's, it's slightly going over overboard, call me naive, but is it's it one of those top? things. I think so too. Yeah. But at the same time, like, what if, you know, do you want to be that location or the church or the conference or the festival where something like this could spread? And it's like, no, because if, if you're the cause of that spread, it's like, it's going to be really, really bad. Yeah. Those precautions I'm okay with. I'm fine with that. It's when people, um, take the paranoia to a whole new level. Uh, I think toilet paper at Costco, (laughs) dude, toilet paper, Costco, water bottles. It's just the best meme where they're just like CDC says, Oh, coronavirus is out. And then like people, Oh, so this is gonna be a snowstorm. No, 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 no. It, it's, it's, it's a virus. Yeah. It's just an outbreak. Oh, so we should buy uh, toilet paper and water. No, 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 no. Just be cautious when you go out there. Okay, so I wait for snowstorm to be over. It's just like... <laughs> Have you seen the pictures of the guys wearing like like underwear on their heads or bras or water bottles on their I, heads? <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it didn't surprise me. At first I thought, this has to be a joke. And then, yeah, you showed me and you're like, you know, this is real. I was like, okay, yep, I'm not surprised, right. but it was All ridiculous. Right. So to everyone listening out there, this is our friendly PSA. Don't overreact. Just wash your hands. Uh, stay clean. Use hand yeah. sanitizer. Hygiene. Yeah. Yes. Proper hygiene. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, so Will, I know uh, you and I will be in Vegas next week in the conference we're attending to do some work at has not been canceled. We're, so, we're also supposed to be in Vegas the month after at yep. NAB, the National yep. Association of Broadcasters. They host a conference. And to be honest, I, I would say it's about 50-50 on whether it will get canceled, canceled or not. I know Nikon just pulled out. I mean, if Nikon pulls out, I mean... Who knows who else might pull out? I mean, is Canon next? I'm really hoping Sony does not pull out because I really want to know if the A7S III is coming out. I need to know. I need to know. Sony, if you're listening, make an announcement. Hurry up. Hmm. So, anyways, sorry. My little rant. It's okay. All good. Yeah. I rant a lot. So, I don't think it's yeah. going to cancel. I'm just going to say that. I, I, I don't, don't think, think so either. I don't no. think so. We're going to um, have a great time. There has been apparently one case of coronavirus in Vegas. Well, more officially, this is a Clark County, the county in which Vegas is a part of, but who knows? More on that later. Sure. Yeah. I'm not worried. I'm a little <laughs> worried. But anyway, <laughs> looking ahead to uh, some of the episodes coming out next, uh, this week I hope to record uh, the next episode, and I hope to have it out this week as well as the one that we're currently recording now. We will be reviewing the film The Way Back, and we will also be going through our top five Ben Affleck moments. I'm actually really excited about this episode because I think Mm. he's a phenomenal director and a phenomenal actor. And it's going to be fun to kind of talk about his best moments. We've all seen his worst moments. I'm pretty sure about that. But it's really fun to kind of really get in there and talk about his film career. So, And uh, the episode after that, it is our Netflix rom-com twofer. Uh, And we will be reviewing. I know you're really excited about this, Will. We will be reviewing To All the Boys I Loved Before, parts one and two. Wow. Starring Lana Condor. Now, yeah, and if if our light if our timing lines up properly, and if we have the time in Vegas, we might record this episode in Vegas. Quite possibly. Yeah. Don't uh, hold me I to just it. Have but fun in Vegas. I just want to have fun in Vegas. <laughs> to all this the boys I love before. Come just on, watch. Man. You're gonna be like, I cannot tell you. You're gonna say like, Holy crap! I cannot tell you how much I love this movie. 
You is that with like, like a semi-Asian accent that, I, no, that's that you're you. speaking in? <laughs> Holy crap. Holy crap. Ho, ho. I'm imitating you. As every Korean drama like people do. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the episode after, we will be reviewing uh, Bloodshot starring Vin Diesel. And in that episode, we will take a look at our favorite Vin Diesel movies. Because <laughs> there's no such thing as favorite Vin Diesel moments. <laughs> like they would all be the same moment. Mm-hmm. I don't have friends. I have family. Uh, I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're like taking a look at his his best movies. Okay. okay. And, and we'll make a rule that like, you know, Fast and the Furious, a Fast and the Furious movie can only be on there like twice. No, dude, I'm just throwing it out there right now. Iron Giant. Okay, that's it. Okay. Oh, boom. <laughs> Mic drop. You know, I haven't seen the Iron Giant. Don't kill me. I'll watch it before this though. What the heck? Yeah. Bro. Okay, you just missed. You just kind of lost some points from me. But yeah. Okay. Here's here's what I'm gonna do, and we might lose uh, listenership as I do this. Okay. There is a list of movies that people are shocked that I haven't seen, and if I say them out loud, people will probably stop listening. But I'm gonna do the, do this now because I want to be vulnerable, and I and I want you to do the same, Will. So, this is a list of movies that I have not seen. That people have like literally cussed me out because I haven't seen them. <laughs> Tell me if you've seen these movies. Okay. I have not finished The Big Lebowski. Okay, I have. Okay. Um, I have not seen Hoosiers. I have not movie. as well. I have okay. not. Guys, we're going to just shut shut this show down because <laughs> <laughs> we are unqualified to be doing this. Oh, man. Uh, what else Please is there? Uh, still. I have not seen Bull Durham. I n- I have not heard of that one. Okay. You know what I'm starting to think about? All these people that criticize me for not watching these movies, I realize they're all about 10 years older than me. So maybe mm. these movies are just not in my prime and are not in my time. But I have seen Legend with Tom Cruise. I love that film. And, <laughs> and Willow. I liked Willow. No? You okay. liked Willow? Okay. Yeah, Willow was a great film. I liked it. No, mm, no okay. comment. <laughs> I loved it at the time. <laughs> classic for me anyways i propose that at some point we do a show where we review the movies that we everyone gets on our cases about for not having seen okay coming later though all right deal so we have an email now any thoughts comments or suggestions on things we can talk about in the future drop us a line at the potfellas podcast at gmail.com and if anyone is listening and you have a friend that's that says like hey i heard you guys are listening to that cool new podcast about film um (laughs) Then let them know, well, you're, if you want to listen, it can be found on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, and Spotify. And just you have like to use that, that voice just, 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 just like, like that. that. Just yeah. like that. Yes. That's, that, those are Myron's imaginary friends. <laughs> yes. They're invisible. Oh, man. Segway. Invisible <laughs> man. All right. That leads into our film review, The Invisible Man. <laughs> Here is a look at the film trailer. Roll it. Adrian, he was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then it was controlling when I left the house and eventually what I thought. I'm 
when Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by someone nobody can see. Ooh. Ooh. Now, Will, you saw this. Actually, we saw this on the same night, but separately, I wanted to ask you what you thought about this film. I did not like it. I think it... Okay, let me let me give some points of what I did like about it. So, okay. I honestly think the concept, this way of of adapting the the Invisible Man, uh, was cool. I enjoyed very much the technological as like, approach to it. So, really bringing it up to modern times, and um, the cinematography was also great. I enjoyed that. I thought Elizabeth Moss uh, was great with her role. I honestly thought that they that it was excellent to pick her because she really carried that character of being abused and 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 really like um, the, the the obstacle or just just the horror that she had to go through with with this guy even being like people thinking that she's all of a sudden like is she psychotic or what's going on is she mentally unstable because she's thinking like this guy that died basically taking his own life and but thinking that he's not dead though and just tormenting her. Like, I just think that she did a great job on, on that, making it believable for me, you know? Because I, I, there's so many horror films that you see with terrible acting, you know? And just, like, for her, she did a great job. And I and I really enjoyed uh, watching her carry that character. I think that the, the, the whole pacing of the film, too, I thought was great. The only thing that I just couldn't stand, though, was just the predictability. I just couldn't... Everything that was mo- like when the camera was moving and everything was going to the next scene, I just thought to my I, every time I thought this is going to happen, it happened. It, it was just for me a little too predict. It was just too predictable, actually. Other than Elizabeth Moss, the other actors, it didn't do well for mm. me in terms of chemistry. I just okay. couldn't. I, I honestly could not connect with these characters mm. and, and just the way they were really interacting with each other. They weren't yeah. really believable for me, you know. And and, it, and there's just a lot of plot holes too. And I, I don't want to spoil anything, but there were like at least three plot holes yeah. when you watch the film that just did not make sense to me. Agreed. And it seemed like those plot holes all uh, revolved around big set piece moments as if it's like, oh, this needs to happen for this to happen. But there were some major logic issues where Completely. those moments had that happened didn't really they weren't set up properly. Mm-hmm. And it's just what happened within those big kind of suspenseful moments, though it was cool didn't really fit within the the story. So I have to totally agree with you there. And well, the other thing to see was like, there's some continuity issues with me. Um, one, and I don't, I don't really think this is a spoiler at all, but there's a part where she's bleeding and you, you can, you can tell like, okay, yeah, this is a really bad cut. Right. But when it cuts to the next scene, like it's there's no, there's blood. no blood. It's like, like, wait, what just happened to the, yeah. like, what just happened to that? No like, cut she just did. Yeah, I was like, okay, she should be passed out yeah, by now. <laughs> literally. And I was like, uh, that just took me out, right? And mm-hmm. I get it. I don't, I don't know if they're <laughs> running out no, of money. No, I don't get it, though. Yeah. No, no, running out of money. Because <laughs> they're just like, oh, wait. Oh, shoot, we forgot about that. Oh, we can't go back now because uh, <laughs> we already finished that part. It's just little things like that. Little things that were just, come on, guys. Like, she's bleeding. Where's the blood? And then, it should you know, be bleeding profusely. Profusely. <laughs> yes. So... That was my whole gripe. Yeah. I mean, their overall film to me was just not great. I will say, though, like, man, the restaurant scene 
was freaking it, that that got me with when yeah. she was meeting with her sister that got yeah. me that, yeah that so really the, to me. offer some context here uh elizabeth moss she believes that this character has turned all of her friends and family against her so in one final act of desperation she meets with her sister in a public place because she thinks it's safer and she's like you have to believe me like lo and behold when you watch it you'll see what i mean it was just like a cringe moment and it was actually the the first part of the people film shrieked where in the people theater. did yell like scream and i even was like oh my gosh like it it got me so that is just what surprised me it was actually i will say out of the entire film my favorite moment for for it as a horror like horror film thrill film thriller film what did you think about of the end um i have to just ask you uh, we don't want yeah. to give anything away yep was it set up well and did it make sense to you or was that like whoa okay for the most part it was it was predictable but the way it was executed actually was actually well done i i i, I didn't know how it was going to play out all i knew was that what I thought was what was supposed to happen or was going to happen. Right. But the way it played out with, with Elizabeth Moth's character, um, as she, you know, obviously did what she did. I was like, well done. I actually did. Um, I, I actually did think that the ending was very well done. Okay. Um, it was great. I actually, I did enjoy that. So. Possible sequel in the future. looks like really, I think so. Maybe just a reboot, really. I'm sorry. No, it's going to be I'm really sequel. hammering down on this film. It was just... Yeah, this movie I just has... get into it. This movie on a $10 million budget has already made uh, almost $100 million worldwide. Are in you less, in, freaking... Yeah. Ki- well, $10 million budget, though. Yeah. Impressive. B1L has shown that he can do a lot with very little money. So this was right around 9 10 million. The movie we're going to review later on in this episode was only made for $5 million. So much better yeah with we're gonna talk about upgrade but yes yeah that was so much better yeah anyways it was yeah i had my spiel i couldn't really say much about it because i just did not like this film let's hear your perspective all right i know you liked it Mm, i did at first but we'll we'll, we'll get to that (laughs) so let's let's talk about what i liked uh first Uh, i love the new fresh take on an old story uh, I liked how the protagonist is not the invisible man, but rather someone being um, haunted by the invisible man. Elizabeth Moss was phenomenal in the role. Uh, we don't get a lot of backstory into the abusive relationship that she had uh, with Adrian, the uh, main antagonist of the film. So the film relies heavily just on her performance to convey to the audience what she uh, was going through. And I thought she does a really good job um, in the first five to 10 minutes of the movie. We already get a sense with no explanation that she is really bothered and haunted. And she doesn't do so in a very melodramatic, crazy, overreactive way, but in a very controlled, smart way. So I appreciate that quite a bit. The lighting and cinematography were great. Uh, I like that they, it almost seemed like they resorted to old school tricks to make this movie work. All of the framing and shots were very intentional. So whenever there was a scene that the invisible man was in and we knew he was there, the shot was always composed and framed as if there was another person in the room. Uh, There was a few shots where um, the focus was on uh, Cecilia, played by Elizabeth Moss, and then it would rack focus to just empty space behind her. To just let us know that someone was there. And in an interview with the DP, he said he always felt really weird. It's like, okay, the main star of the movie is here. 
And then the director would tell him, okay, I now want you to rack focus to nothing in the background. It's like, okay, this feels weird, but you know, we're shooting the invisible man. So let's go with it. So yeah, I loved how everything was just so intentional and framed perfectly. Just held too long for me. I just thought, okay, yeah. I get it. We get it. Cut. Yeah. Hurry, move it on. Sorry. Just my, sorry. No, no, totally, totally. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, we get it. Someone's in the room. <laughs> but at the same time, we're looking at a white wall <laughs> kind of thing. Watching yeah. paint dry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently paint doesn't dry. Apparently it evaporates very quickly yes. with no yes. sign of it. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. It falls um, off like milk. Just, yeah. just easy off. <laughs> I love the opening title sequence. Uh, basically, we are. it's like a drone shot heading towards Adrian's mansion. And it's totally dark. And uh, the waves are crashing against these cliffs as the water uh, kind of comes back down. The credits are left there against the cliff. And then it just disappears. And then the next wave hits and the next credit appears. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, was. it really, it kind of introduced us to the world uh, that this movie takes place in. So I thought that was very, very cool. It was very intentional, very stylistic. I thought that was great. Now, what I didn't like, um, I thought that the other supporting character characters were two-dimensional and existed purely for the purposes of the plot and not as real fleshed-out characters. I'm, mm-hmm. ref- I'm referring more specifically to Tom Griffin, who uh, was basically uh, Adrian's uh, brother and lawyer, Adrian lawyer. being yeah, being the Invisible Man. And then the, the Lanier's, um, James and Sidney Lanier, we are led to believe that James was a close friend of uh, Cecilia's and Sidney is James's daughter. But I really thought the relationship between James and Cecilia just felt very artificial, not real. And like two actors were put in a room and they were supposed to be friends, but I honestly didn't really buy it. The idea of a scientist wearing a suit consisting of cameras that reflects an image seems a little too far-fetched then again so is the idea of someone becoming invisible so i don't hold it against the filmmakers to try and technologize i don't know if that's a word but technologize the origin story of the villain technologize yes (laughs) (laughs) if it's not a word i just made it up there's another word tangent here i remember phil jackson was in an interview and uh he described Kobe Bryant as having stick to itiveness, <laughs> the ability to stick to something, not wow. like stick to itiveness. Like Will Ferrell is a ginormous. <laughs> ginormous isn't a word. No, it's no? gigantic and enormous, but together. Hey, it works. If people know what you mean by it, then I think it should be a word. Anyway, um, so technology. So, so technologic. Technolo- what was technologize. Your word? <laughs> So technologize. Yes. I also didn't like the suspense between uh, the suspense sequence where Cecilia calls Adrian's phone and hears it ringing in the attic above her. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, why is that phone in the attic above her? Why? So is this invisible man hiding in the attic? Why would he do that if he's invisible? And why is there an open can of paint up there? I just assume that's what a sociopath would do. I, hide, I in a, hide in an attic while smelling paint fumes? Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Not but a anyway, great reason. Sorry. That whole sequence felt off, even though it led to the best like visual moment of the film, which is a can of paint being thrown on the Invisible Man, which I thought was really cool, and it's in the trailer, so we're not giving anything away there. That gave a scream in the theater, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Too. That was cool. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly... Most of the major set pieces started with major characters committing acts that were completely out of character, and it started to really grate on me towards the end. Hmm. Uh, I, that entire um, end climax scene, well, I think there's a couple, but the second to last one 
takes place because uh, a certain character does something purely out of anger and gives himself away. I think you know what I'm talking about, Will. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That just didn't make any sense. But then it's kind of explained by another twist, but we won't get into that. Um, and uh, let's just say when I started watching the movie, it was at about a four star and it dropped quite a bit in the last half hour of the movie. It dropped all the way down to two and a half. Mm-hmm. And let's just say it kind of rebounded a little bit, but eventually it kind of dropped back down. So uh, I'll give you my final review a little yep. bit later. Last problem I had with the movie, I had no idea the Invisible Man suit gave you super strength. Wait, in what way? <laughs> uh, there were people being lifted up off of the floor, being thrown across the room. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. It's just like, okay. Um, yeah, I didn't know it gave them like powers like Superman. But anyway, now what surprised me uh, the most was Elizabeth Moss's performance. I knew she was a great actress really? all along. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she was great in Mad Men, really good in the Hadmates tale. And I watched, I remember watching her all the way back in the time, all, all the way back in the day when she was uh, in, in the West Wing and she played Martin Sheen's daughter, Jeff Bartlett's daughter. Mm. So I remember that. And I always thought she was a great actress, but she carries this movie She's in every scene, and if the movie didn't work, and if it failed or bombed, it would have been all on her, and she took on that oh, challenge. I see. Yeah. I see. Because think, if you think about it, she had to convince us all of who she was and what she was scared of from the opening moment of the film, yeah. and then, like you said, she plays the the scared, crazy person and is convincing in that part, and is also convincing at the end when she decides to empower herself and take action, and she played every part of her character in the film just really really well so it, it yeah because really, actually great. yeah i will have to agree that that is also surprising now that i think about it because you know you you feel for her you really feel for her and and knowing what she's going through knowing the truth as the audience of what's happening you, you just yeah you want her to win you want her to get through it you want yeah. her to get out of that situation because it is so tormenting yeah now the end <laughs> I, I, I I didn't see it coming. There was like a second what? ending, yeah, to the end, and I was like, oh, okay. And you know, it just I don't think it was set up well at all. But I just thought it was really ballsy for them to do that. And it's just like, okay, well, all right, cool. It's it's interesting, and I don't know if it was set up properly. I, I'll have to think about it. Dude, and there was no other way. I honestly don't think there was any other way to to get around that because one. You know, Adrian's a freaking billionaire, probably. You know what I mean? And I mean, how other, what other way would she be able to get out of that situation, really? Yep. So, with that being said, Will, what is your final review of this movie out of five stars? Mm, uh, 2.5, but I'd be okay with giving it a two as well. Ouch. <laughs> it's just. I don't like when it comes when it comes to mystery and thriller, or not mystery and thriller, but horror and 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 thriller. I like mystery, I guess. I, it, when 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 I just realize things are are being too predictable and and just not allowing me personally to contemplate or be really like just on that edge of my seat, I I just get out of it. I just fall out. You know, that's just me though. So sorry, sorry. Elizabeth Moss though, she did carry the film. She did a great job. Yep. She did enough to keep me interested. So yeah. Um, I am kind of vacillating between two and a half and three stars. I would probably say I have to lean closer to three stars just based purely on Elizabeth 
Moss's performance. At the beginning, at least, it was a solidly well-crafted thriller, and it seemed like it was undone by cool sequences that unfortunately weren't set up and were completely out of character, and I'm referring to the last 30 to 40 minutes of the film. It's like all of these smart characters all of a, start, all of a sudden started doing things that were very stupid, and it was almost as if motivations stopped mattering. I would have given I would have given a three stars if she played every character in the film. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> it would have been so much better. Yeah, but uh, the first hour I, I had a four star movie, and it dropped a full star um, by the crap. end of the movie. Yeah. Wow. But it was still a good watch, and it was entertaining. And I'm a big Lee Winnell fan, going all the way back to Saul and his role in The Conjuring and. Uh, insidious so we'll see what he does next that is our review for the invisible man watch it if you feel like it yep all right we're going to go on break we will come back with a review of upgrade also written and directed by lee winnell stay tuned cool you know my dad told me last night he said that you got a full ride to kansas you just quit why my father didn't like me very much and someone told him i was good at basketball he paid a lot more attention to me and I realized it wasn't me that he left. It was what I could do. I spent a lot of time hurting myself, trying to hurt my father. I never picked up the basketball again. I need a new coach, Jack. You're the first person I thought of. The team any good? No. <laughs> In fact, the last time they made the playoffs, back when you were playing. It's the whole team, 10 kids. I want to know why they're leaving you open. It's because they don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. Oh, snap. Heard you're coaching basketball. Keeps my mind off other things. We don't decide the game. The players decide the game. I understand you're trying to motivate the team, but we have a code of conduct. Oh, bullshit. I'm working on it. Work harder. This team is not as bad as its record. We have to trust each other. We have to have faith. I just want you to be happy again. But you gotta want it too. Don't underestimate the impact you can have on them. You got this. No, don't just nod. I want to hear your voice. Yes or no? Yes, coach. You're nervous. I get it. Truth is, they're more talented than you. Probably got a better coach. But I promise you, they are not a better team. Because they haven't been through what we've been through. They don't know adversity. They don't know what it's like to get knocked down, to have to get back up again. They don't know what it is to fight. Who are we? As a quadriplegic, it must be frustrating for you. Someone who likes to get things done with their hands. Here's the thing. Four guys murdered my wife. If I could find these men, I'd do it. What if I told you I could offer you something that would enable you to walk again? I call it STEM. A computer chip that has the potential to change everything. It's a new, better brain. I am STEM. The system operating your body for you. Synopsis for Upgrade. It's set in the near future. Technology controls nearly all aspects of life. But when Gray, a self-labeled technophobe's world is turned upside down, his only hope for revenge is an experimental computer chip implant. So, 
You know, I, I just also realized Lee Wanell, he's also an actor. I did not know that. Yeah, uh, he's been in a lot of films that he wrote. Um, I mean, this goes back when uh, Lee Wanell and James Wan, who is now the director of Aquaman, when they were starting out, Lee would write the films and James would direct them. And then it turns out they started out when uh, Lee wrote this little short film called Saw that James Wan decided to direct. That movie became a, fe- a feature, which then kicked off their uh, budding relationship, which led to, I don't know, 25 Saw movies, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Three insidious, awesome. three insidious movies, two Conjuring movies, and I think a movie called Dead Silence, among others. But yeah, now James Wan is off doing blockbusters, and Lee is also directing, which is I think is cool. I think he's a very talented director, don't you think? I, I do. I think... Yeah. I think uh, except maybe exception for the invisible man. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, but other than that, yes, yeah. I think that he is, uh, has directed many great films for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, Insid- insidious part three was actually, I think kind of underrated. I thought he did a good job with that. Upgrade is great. And, uh, looks like his next film up is a, um, reboot of the escape from New York, which was originally it? starting. Yeah. Originally starring Kurt Russell. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that movie will not have a budget of $10 million. No, Probably times 10, but we'll yes. see. But I think, yeah. you know, honestly, him and James Wan are two of right now the current great horror, thriller, yeah. suspense directors yeah. of our time. They're, right now, they're great. So. Yeah. So, but anyways, going back to Upgrade now, mm-hmm. man, I, I, I really enjoyed this film. Like I, I didn't think I was gonna enjoy it that much, but I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. So very you, smart, though, Marvin, funny, yeah, 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 very smart. Go on, I'm not stopping you, dude. You tell me what did All you right. think? I'll just kick off my review. Um, so what I liked, I saw this a while ago. I actually, it, it was one of those nights where I was just up and it was late. It was like eleven o'clock. I was, I just thought I'm gonna fall asleep while watching this movie, and I stayed up for the whole damn thing because it was so good. Yes. Uh, what I liked, Logan Marshall Green, who we've seen quite a bit in smaller parts. He was in uh, Prometheus. He was also in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Um, he gives a strong performance, both mentally and physically. Um, it's one thing to be an actor that can deliver the lines, but in this part, he is is a great physical actor because he plays someone that is, um, you know, once capable becomes a quadriplegic and then through a a use of technology, he's able to use his body again. But after that moment, his body is like moving in a way that is, is different than the way he moved before. And in any action scene he's in because the computer or the chip takes over it, he gives a very distinct physical performance. And I thought that was really enjoyable to see. I love the interplay between uh, Logan's character, Gray, and Stem, which is the AI chip in his brain that gives him his abilities. The movie is a roller Actually, co- actually just to stop you yeah. right there, it's actually uh-huh. not in his brain. It's on his spine. On oh, the neck. okay. Good point. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's where... Uh, that's yeah, where so- the nervous system is. The brain, basically, uh, the computer chip is using the brain as... Uh, oh, the brain is using this chip as a as a funnel basically yeah, to as, relay as, as information yeah, to relay yeah. his body yeah so a quick backstory here uh, the whole thing of the movie is that he hates technology he's riding in a auto like automated car home with his wife and they get um you know mugged by um some violent people and his wife gets killed and they shoot him leaving him for dead and his spinal cord is severed so that's what gives him that opportunity to now have the AI chip in his neck, which gives him the abilities to exact revenge on the people that killed his wife. Yep. So that's the general backstory here. Um, 
it was really fun. I didn't know what was coming next. There are multiple things that happened in the end that I had just no idea what was coming. And unlike The Invisible Man, I thought things were really well set up here. And it's not just a crazy roller coaster neo noir thriller with action scenes. It's actually quite funny and it raises certain questions about bigger things that I think we're starting to ask ourselves in life, such as what is reality? What is consciousness? If we believe that something is happening, what does it matter if it's really not? You know? And I think the end asks those deeper questions, which I love. I love that a movie that's like this that can be so one dimensional at the beginning can also raise so many deep questions. Now about the violence, I don't love violence. Um, if you go back to our episode on Birds of Prey, there are certain violent scenes that I just abhorred and completely hated it. Mm. Um, even in a movie like John Wick Chapter 3, the violence caught me off guard a little bit and it kind of was uh, like a little off-putting. What? Here, I loved yeah. it, dude. Yeah, it's just... Okay, he just killed like 200 people and yeah. Heck anyway. yeah, he did. Freak yeah. <laughs> Freak yeah. All right, go on. But in here, the violence is is really violent. It's gory but it's actually kind of cool and it, it kind of adds to the theme and it's serious and gritty yet almost comedic and <laughs> just the way that logan plays this the character it's it's slightly funny and it's weird how it all worked but it does and there was a certain cyberpunk element to it that I thought it was reminiscent of movies. I think you brought this up. It was similar to Blade Runner. Yes. I also thought it was similar to The Matrix and even a movie like Collateral in that kind of dirty, dingy, grainy movie that t- takes place at nice, that kind of feel. Yep. He had a layer of dirt on it, which I really liked. I also love the different take on AIs will rule the world. It's not like Terminator where, um, you know, these robots are going to come kill you by not launching nuclear warheads. What if you allowed AI into your body and it takes control of you? That is a totally different idea on a story that I think has become almost overused at this point. So, um, yeah, that's what I really loved. What I didn't like. Um, I wasn't a fan of Aaron Keene's character. Now, Aaron Keene is the rich man that offers uh, our main character, Gray, the opportunity to um, have this chip implanted into his body. So um, he seemed flat and predictable, uh, Aaron did. But I was thinking maybe that was on purpose because he's kind of a rich, eccentric douchebag. But I just kind of found him off-putting. Yeah, yeah. He's like a a kid. A rich, genius kid with a lot of tech, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's forgivable, though, because the way the movie turns and the way it kind of changes um, in terms of plot kind of, I think, takes the, the edge off of that a little bit. Um, what surprised me? Uh, I can say the ending. Um, it's a happy ending, but it's not a happy ending, mm. you know, if you get what I'm saying. Um, so I really enjoyed Logan Marshall Green's performance as a quadriplegic who has his body taken over by AI. Um, what I was really impressed by, like really impressed Will, was that the director built an entire sci-fi world with a budget of $5 million. It's insane. Um, that blew my mind. Yeah. That blows my mind actually now because I didn't even know that. That blows my mind. Yeah. 
And I just can't wait to see what he does with Escape from New York. Here's what I'm about to say, and it could be wrong. Um, and I, who knows? <laughs> Maybe it'll, if I ever do get the the opportunity to direct films, I, this making this comment might hurt me. But it was almost as if he got to make Upgrade the way that he wanted to make it. But uh, it seemed like there was almost so much studio involvement in The Invisible Man that like he had to put all the stuff in it that didn't really make sense for the story that he wanted to tell. It was a lack of trust, to be honest. Like I, f- I think that studios need to just trust. Yeah. You know, trust the director and the creative uh, outlet of it. That's the whole point yeah. of when it comes to great storytelling in movies. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember um, hearing a, a Q&A with um, Lee and he said he had written this movie and got the funding for it. But the way Invisible Man worked out was totally different in that he was called into a meeting at the studio and uh, they said uh, he thought that they were there to talk to him about um, Upgrade. And, you know, they said, oh, we watched it. We loved it. But we want to talk to you about the Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. So it's like the studios were in there from the beginning and it's a property that Universal owned. And I know Blumhouse was the produ- was the production company behind it, but um, yeah, it Blumhouse just, is like does basically majority of all the thriller horror films like that. So yeah, they do, and they've had some big hits and some not so big hits. But yeah, yeah, I think they're doing some cool stuff. Yep, yep. The themes I saw, like I said before, the movie raises some serious questions, such as what is consciousness, what is reality, without really providing any answers, which I like. I think there's some debate that can be had after watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It also addresses the AI fear um, in a new and fresh way. And so that's it. So what do you think, Will, uh, about this film? And before you get to that, I want to ask you the question, do you think artificial intelligence will take over the world? I, I believe that the artificial intelligence will um be limited for the most part uh because by us? i don't think by uh, well i don't think there's there can be any invention to basically have an ai understand instinct and emotion i, I think those those are going to be the major limitations of what makes us unique as a human being i d- that, therefore i don't i don't think ai will take over in the sense of you know, replacing us in, in a lot of things, I think. No, but I, here's I the know. thing though, is uh, sure. AI, if it became powerful enough, could think that those but, things you just described, instinct and emotion sure. could be negatives. And so if you give AI enough power, could it then feel like we're the enemy and try to get rid of us? Okay. Well, obviously <laughs> name a movie that hasn't done that. Yeah. I don't <laughs> no. think it'll ever get to that point. Really. Okay. I think, yeah. I don't think that it could ever get to that unless I think the only way it'll get to that is if, if people like this film, um, allow themselves to be adapted to, you know, having AI, a a part of their body, I guess, but a pure robot, like a full on robot that we have nowadays, right. That have full on conversations. Like in Japan, they've created an AI or a robot to be able to have a full on conversation with you. I, I don't think separately in that sense, it won't ever take over. I think it's only when we allow it to be implanted in us that maybe it could be, you know, to me, that's just stupid, but dangerous. But yeah, hmm. Anyways, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that yeah. makes any, I don't know if that no, makes, makes question, sense. Yeah. yeah. So sure. it, we will always find some way to kind of control, control it, which is, yes. you know, okay. yeah. 
As long as I there's a big that. off switch, that's all that matters to me. As long yeah. as there's like an off switch. A big switch <laughs> a big in the president's switch. office. Yes. That, that you just say, okay, AI is getting crazy. Let me turn yes. the switch off. <laughs> yes. It's got to be that big switch, you know, like when you turn on a light, but yeah, bigger. 50 times like bigger. Times. Yeah. It's the entire wall. <laughs> yeah. And it's but, invisible so that AI oh doesn't see gosh. it. Oh my gosh. But okay. I love... Yeah this film yeah. on so many levels. Well, mm. and, and one of the main things is what you already touched on. It, there, it, there is such an, an homage and kind of this inspiration among so many films that we've watched in the past. You know, you have a bit of the matrix in there. You have a bit of Blade Runner for me, Blade Runner starts out the most, but what's funny is that how you actually pointed out, um, about the whole like dream state or, or a reality like versus, uh, versus artificial, um, it actually reminded me of another film that didn't do too well, but I thought it was an interesting um, idea in itself. It's uh, Gamer. Uh, it was released in 2009 with Gerard, Gerard Butler. Butler. Yeah, it was directed and written actually by Mark uh, Neveldine mm-hmm. and and also and Brian Taylor, and they both actually also directed it. And so when you talk about AI, like I think the to to kind of go back to your question. Video games, gaming, I think will be one of the major uh, parts of us um, basically being blinded by reality versus virtual reality or augmented reality, I guess. Mm -hmm. The cinematography in this film, loved it. it. It definitely had that Blade Runner vibe for me, especially like in the in the bar scene the fight scenes and, and just the alleyways like that, that mood, it was great. I loved it. The editing was great too. I enjoyed just the pace and the cadence of the editing and how it just flowed and really, man, I can't believe five freaking million dollars. And, and man, he just nailed it really well. Um, the, the story of it too. Uh, <laughs> I go back to Blade Runner again though, too, because remember like one of the main antagonists, right? He's, he's basically, uh, half human, half machine in a sense. And if you kind of go to the story of Blade Runner, right? Uh, Harrison Ford's character like is trying to go after a specific um, android or criminal, but he believes he's a human being, uh, but yet he knows that he's uh, a robot as well. Like he's an android as well. I just saw so many correlations with this and 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 i i love blade runner so i I think that's why i also really gravitated to um really enjoying this film that much more um when when aaron creates stem and and has uh gray being implanted in it man the, the camera work of how once his body was online basically Mm -hmm. it moved very robotically with his body, which I thought was very clever. I thought that was so cool. And obviously, mm-hmm. like you said earlier too, the way how Gray walked wasn't normal anymore. It was it was as how the computer or any type of AI would kind of initiate. Tell him to walk, yeah. Yeah, but the, the camera would basically motion with his body and not his head because his head was still the only thing that was intact and more the most human part of him in, uh, in that point. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so cool seeing that that yeah. that really jarring robotic camera movement going with yeah. his body his body movement. Yeah. Um, I think that the mystery of it too, like this this for me, was great 
to to kind of like it got me on my toes. I mean, I I try to find certain things that may have been predictable, but it it, it didn't. You know, it didn't. It, it proved me wrong. And I was like, I love just how some of the plot twists happen and where it was leading up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything about it was just fun it was so great to watch so about that ending i would have said that what so what eventually happens i would have said oh that was predictable but there are so many red herrings and dead ends and stops and starts and stops during the course of the movie that it completely throws you off which that's how it happened for me so when it does happen you're like and the end is like a a happy ending it's a bittersweet ending yeah but not a happy ending yeah so he he's happy Gray's well, happy at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, like the whole mystery of it, I loved it. The ending threw me off. I was hopeful and then and then it just you'll see. It it was I was I it really messed with my emotions. Um what I didn't like though, I think all the actors did a great job, except I was not impressed with the detective and her oh, yeah. acting. Okay. I think that her character was not invested enough in the story to, to really help uh, drive it forward. I it think seemed that like she, she was written in as a necessity. Yeah. Cause obviously, yeah, exactly for the plot, right? They, they yes, needed to because, be a detective character. Exactly. Because obviously her, his wife is killed yeah. and he's trying to find the culprit of who killed her and obviously he gets obviously because he's quadriplegic he gets help from a person in the force a, a detective but it was just like man i feel like there was no chemistry no hmm. connection with her yeah. trying to really help gray in this whole situation and even when she was investigating like it just seemed like it was a necessity and I was kind of disappointed with that. I wish there was just so much, something more about her yeah. that could have been well invested. I, I will it, say yeah. that the actress, Betty Gabriel, I thought she did a good job playing like a hard and cool, tough as nails detective who happens to be a woman, mm. but you yeah. can't really break uh, out of the fact that um, that character, as well as many characters and characters in the invisible man felt like they existed purely out of necessity to the plot. And when that happens, then all of a sudden that character becomes two dimensional right and not yeah, really she becomes out. very uh like for lack of a better word robotic it yeah. was really <laughs> um her lines were basically just the the go-to lines that a yeah. detective would have to say yeah. in a film kind of thing there was yeah. just no meat to it so yeah. that was just one thing the other thing i will say is what you mentioned earlier was the scientist aaron Keane, who created stem and and <sighs> towards the ending where he quote unquote you know don't want to spoil anything if this is a spoiler let me know like he was controlled by stem like what like you know at the end like he was just without ever explaining how that even was possible like he created stem and and knew that like stem could talk right but but all of a sudden he's like oh i i I had to do what i had to do because stem told me to i was like wait what like it just that was that kind of didn't make sense to me. Yeah. So. So yeah. what? How I took it as I, I I totally understand what you're saying, but uh, the reason why I forgave that was because um, it's like oh this guy is weird he's off centered and he's obsessed with his creation so much so to the fact that he probably adored that creation and all of a sudden was obsessed and controlled by it. But so kind of like my, as if like a mother loves his child so much he'll do whatever. 
for her, for her child. In yeah. A sense. And if that child became manipulative and started controlling the mother, that type thing. I guess. Anyway. Fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you have I, that. No. So <laughs> the only reason why I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt is because I love the movie so much. So. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I just, I don't know. I, I, I just, if they were to give it just a little bit, if they were to give just some you know, explanation doesn't have to be crazy in death, but just realizing like, I don't know, maybe I wasn't convinced enough of his obsession and just Aaron's character. I just think that Aaron, you know, he, I kind of got his character more in tune with just, just knowing that, that, that gray is the first experiment for him to test it on. And, and just not, and, and just making sure like the repercussions that may happen could be, fatal i don't know i was i i I looked at it more like that rather than him being obsessed Mm. i guess okay so interesting um other than that though yeah i loved it i still loved it what is your final review of the film man i I actually i give this film dude and four out of five stars and and i'm gonna say four out of five stars because one it was greatly well stylized It, it it really gave a great sense of mystery uh, the majority of the actors had great chemistry. Um, the fight scenes too, man, even for the fight scenes. Awesome. Yeah. So it was cringing too yeah. at times. Like, Oh man, the fart, the part where you, the part member, the part, not the fart, the part yeah. where remember when he goes to the first guy's house Yeah. and, and he's, you know, he kills him like with the knife through his jaw like oh yeah. my gosh that yeah. was gnarly yeah and and i loved the camera work i loved yeah. how he was able to really incorporate the cinematography camera work with the whole robotic aspect of what yeah. ai does really well done it's so well done i yeah. i loved it so mm. um yeah what, what say you uh, i agree with you for a change <laughs> four stars as well Thought it was a taut, action-packed new neo noir thriller. That and there's a lot of things that we've seen before. At the same time, there are things in there that we've never seen before. It was mm-hmm. brand new. Yes. Uh, if there was a category uh, and a list that we ever made that was like the best films made for five million dollars or less, I'm pretty sure this would be at the top, like top maybe three. It would be dude, number three at the lowest. Dude, you know? this literally just makes me convinced or, or or just gives me that hope and not even just hope but the fact of the matter is, is that this is a five million dollar film look what you can do with yeah, five you million do. dollars yeah. and when you have yeah. a great story great story um you're intentional with your shots and you yes. have good character actors yeah we have a so. fighting chance myron we, we do. still have we a chance <laughs> it's like uh jim carrey so you're telling me there's a chance more like Dumb and one in a million. Yeah. yeah. So there's a chance. I just don't want to hear the one in a million. Yeah. All right. That was our episode for today. We will be back with our next episode, which will be centered around Ben Affleck's film, The Way Back. And we're going to take a look at his best career moments in film. Now, I, we promise um, the next time you hear from us won't take as long as the last time. So Are you stay sure, tuned Myron? very soon. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Are you sure you want to, you going to make promises that no. gonna, this promise yeah. we can keep? We'll this get the next one out there. Keep? Okay. Yes. yes. Sorry. I'm just trying to keep them accountable, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So yeah, we're. I think we're going to try to record in the next couple of days. So and we'll be getting our our picks ready for best Ben Affleck moments. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Geely. <laughs> oh my Number god. Number two, Jersey Girl. Just kidding. 
All right. Jeez. We'll see you next time. Take Bye. care. <laughs>